or welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I'm Ben Hunter, Booktopia's Fiction Category Manager, and it's my pleasure to be in your ears again, recording over Zoom. And today I get to talk to Anna Downs, and I'm bloody thrilled about it. Anna Downs is a thriller writer based on uh, New South Wales Central Coast, and her debut novel, The Safe Place, came out in 2020. Uh, it was published here and abroad to some acclaim, and she's followed that up really quickly with a new novel called The Shadow House, which is really scary. Anna Downs, <laughs> welcome to the Booktopia podcast. Hi, thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, you have uh, made me not sleep uh, with this new novel. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's dive into it. Um, it's it's a uh, it's interesting comparing it with the safe place, which which is only that's still fresh in everyone's minds. That's still a new novel, essentially. Um, your debut, you know, that was set um, in the south of France in this beautiful estate. Yeah. Um, and this new novel is also in an idyllic setting, and like the other one, not so idyllic things go down. Yeah. Um, can you tell our listeners about. The Shadow House. Yeah, sure. Um, all right. So The Shadow House is about a single mother of two, Alex, who in escaping from her own troubled past or present, I should say, she's fleeing from something quite real. Uh, she uh, moves with her baby and teenage son to an eco village. Um, it's very beautiful, it's very remote, and when she gets there, it feels extremely idyllic. She makes friends, it feels very safe, but pretty soon some very strange things start to happen to her. And uh, she finds out that, in fact, those very strange things, the same strange things, have happened to um, someone else, someone that used to live on the land that the eco village was built over. And so essentially, the book becomes about finding out what happened in the past in order to save her family in the present. If that makes well some well sense. Said. It does. <laughs> I'm just it does. Start, making me relive it again now, which is... <laughs> um, uh, I reckon most of our listeners will live in a classic Aussie brick and tile. So you better explain um, roughly what an eco-village yeah. is. Oh, yeah, they're brilliant, actually. Um, so so i had i had a um this first draft of this book which is very different mm -hmm. to how it's turned out uh that first draft did not work and i had to basically kind of scrap about 85 percent of it and rebuild again from square one which was a terrifying experience um part of the reason why that manuscript didn't work um there were, there were a lot of reasons, but one of the main reasons was that I hadn't quite nailed the setting. I hadn't quite found anywhere that was um, anchoring the story to any one place. And so, mm. um, you know, given that I had a deadline, I was like, how am I, where am I going to set this? What do I need? I need, I need a community of people. I need, um, you know, I had this, this set of criteria. And in that failed manuscript, one of the characters, um, had a dream to build an eco village. So I thought, right, okay, great. Um, let's run with that. Let's try and find some eco villages that I could maybe 
look at online at the very least like let's get an idea of what that might be just so happened there was there is an eco village what 15 minutes drive down the road but down the road from me and so i hopped on their website and it just so happened that they were doing an open day like two in, oh. in you know like I think this was a Thursday that I was looking and they were having the open day on the Saturday. So booked a spot on the tour, went down there, drove in through the gates and just went, oh yes, this is exactly uh, what I need. And what I mean by that is, um, so eco villages are sort of like gated communities. They, um, uh, they sort of operate separately um, to the general community, but, but in the sense that they're, finding new ways to live um self-sustainable ways um they often have their own smart grid for example so they manage their own power um they often mm. make decisions uh together as a community as opposed to having you know a centralized um leader or anything like that um the one that i spent time with actually uses a, a system called sociocracy um, so they off they have these different ways of, of managing themselves they they live in um uh sustainable homes they grow their own produce um you know most most so it's a bit them... like a it's a bit like a commune but without the cultiness yeah yeah i mean you know i think there's still a little bit of um mystery surrounding eco villages at the moment they're not massively mainstream still so there there is a little bit of who who are these strange people and how are they they living you know the people that i've met uh, weren't strange at all they were absolutely delightful and and actually most of them you know some of them were still commuting to sydney um and the eco village itself that i've spent time in was um it, it, it's quite close to a sort of central business district so um you know they're 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 not completely um isolated they they go out and you know and work like everybody else or i mean not anymore i guess everybody's at home but still you know in theory <laughs> they go out and work and then come home to the village but they're, they're just all living uh with a small eco footprint and trying to live as best they can in a way that that works with the 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 land and um yeah so yeah. you're here, Alex, um, with two children in tow, one a 14-year-old recalitrant, very online teenager, mm. um, and, and, a, and a, a very young baby um, arrives in this place. And uh, she's running from her own demons, right? She's, she's very isolated herself. Yeah. Yeah, she is. And that, that was a very deliberate choice. I wanted to remove as many supports as possible from her remove as many support networks as i could um so that she had to be entirely self-sufficient for this story so there was no other option but to um you know solve her problems herself um but yeah she is she's she's really isolated to begin with so in moving to this eco village what she's hoping for is um you know some safety among numbers but also in a place where she does feel removed from the things that she's running from um and yeah, a little well bit said. of obscurity um and, and anonymity as well um within that community it makes me think you, you know the the safe place you wrote about this estate in the south of france is just 
over the top luxurious place and and mm. that that was inspired by your own experience um mm -hmm. you, were, you were like an au pair right when, when you were no, younger. we were. Um, so it was a job that I did with my now husband and we were traveling at the time and we were employed right. as uh, caretakers slash housekeepers. So we lived on site and our main responsibilities was looking after the grounds and the house. But we did also do some, um, you know, babysitting and tutoring for the family's mm -hmm. children. My husband's a teacher, a primary school teacher. So it was kind of a natural thing for us to do for them. I just, I just, it, it makes me think, you, you know, you, you wrote that, that story about a, a young one, you know, um, coming from uh, England to work in this isolated um, place in the south of France. And now, now you've, you've written this novel about an English mother again. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, she's a mother and she is on the sunny coast. Um, and so it, it it sounds like you're mining your own life in 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 some sense to yeah. pull pull elements for a story. Uh, is is that something that is like crucial to you, or 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 is it just all part of the creative hodgepodge? Yeah, I think both. Um, for me, mining my own personal experience and my own personal circumstances um, and history is important as a jumping off point. It's a good kind of springboard into uh something else so as with the safe place i used something that i knew very much about um both in a circumstantial way but also an emotional way um so that feeling of isolation and not knowing where you belong and feeling very lost um uh, and coming to terms with aspects of yourself that you don't really understand um, there's 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 all of that going on that I knew about emotionally, but then once you start to craft that story, it becomes its own thing, you know? So then you, you can't stick super closely to your own story because it, it no longer fits the narrative, if you see what I mean. So with the shadow house, again, you know, starting from a point, um, that I, you know, of, of things that I know about into things that I don't. Um, and, and again, the, the, the story of the shadow house took on its own life uh, after a point. So I think, yeah, you, your, your own experiences are, are, are brilliant and useful up to a point. And certainly they're useful to imbue color, emotional color uh, into a scene as well when you, when you need it, but ultimately the characters are their own and the narrative is its own. You were a television actor in the UK. Um, when did, when did writing become a thing? And how did writing become a thing for you? Oh, um, <clears throat> so when I, when I stopped being an actor, it was um, largely because, um, for me anyway, it wasn't a particularly nice way to live. Um, it's so unpredictable and, you know, I, I'm not somebody that handles that kind of unpredictability very well. And so leaving that, uh, career was about taking back a bit of control for myself um, and then you know long story short met my now husband moved out here to Australia um, and set about building a whole new life but without uh, a creative career you know one that I, I I didn't just fall into acting I worked for a very very long time and it was everything you know I was I was the kind of kid I never did anything else but sort of acting classes and 
um, I was just <clears throat> ridiculously passionate about it and um, it, it was just such a huge part of my life. So to then find myself, um, you know, very happy living on the other side of the world, um, you know, with no family. Um, I didn't really know anybody except my husband and his friends and his family. Um, I'd, I'd kind of restyled myself as a massage therapist. I'd done a, um, a massage qualification. I was working for a chiropractor. Yes. Yeah. As you do a great passport job, you know, can pick it up anywhere. Um, but yeah, you know, had, had got married, had my kids and just realized that without any kind of creative outlet, um, I just had no idea who I was yeah. or how to achieve anything as well. Like, motherhood is obviously full of achievement um, but nothing really tangible no one's giving you that gold star nobody's telling you every day that you've you've done really well and 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 thus far the thing that i'd always achieved best at was was creativity um and so i kind of fell into um uh, i got myself in a real state and the the way out of that was was to kind of do some kind of creativity um and i picked writing because I could go and do that off my own back. You know, I could lock myself mm. away in the spare room and, and write. And it, it was just a, a thing that I did for myself to, to kind of make myself feel better. Um, but there did come a point where I started to wonder if I might be any good at it and if there might be any kind of future in it. Um, at which point, you know, you start reading your how-to books, you, you do your online courses, um, wrote some short fiction, sent it off. Um, got some short listings and and then I was kind of you know I got the hunger <laughs> oh, I love that yeah yeah it's 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 odd like the 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 life of a um, actor sounds you know uh polar opposite to to novel writing which is a very um isolated activity right yeah um you spend the vast majority of your time well outside of um the limelight um as it were um yeah that's not to say that acting is all glitz and glamour it's it that's mainly just really hard work yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and waiting is. for phone calls yeah. um <laughs> uh but like the more like it, it seems really far removed but but thinking about it you would have spent a long time immersed in storytelling of one shape or another and that that must have been informative in some way right Oh, 100%. I mean, I didn't just train as an actor. I also did an academic degree in drama. So I spent three years studying the history of theatre and film theory and dramaturgy and, um, you know, all different sorts of academic aspects of, of the subject. So, I mean, I, I learned storytelling as, um, as a discipline and a, and a practice even before I trained in the, the practical elements of of um acting um and that was all incredibly formative i mean storytelling I, I, has has been my life for for so long um that it did feel quite natural but of course the the major difference is that with acting you're using your voice and your body you know and and with writing you've got the page and and words and so it's it's it is massively different um and it's it it's a craft that i you know i'm um how to express uh, starting i had that awful moment of, of fear where i'm like 
who do I think I am? I can't write. It's a ridiculous notion. Um, but then I realized that actually, you know, I, I, I had laid a lot of the groundwork already. So um, it was both that. a huge leap and a, and a not so huge leap. Yeah. And <laughs> this might be a dumb question, but when you're, when you're sitting at the desk composing a novel like this, do you, do you find yourself inhabiting these characters of yours, you know, take someone like Kit or Alex um, from this new novel uh, and, and you think to yourself, oh, how, how would, um, what would Kit's posture be like? And, and how yeah. would he compose himself? Like, and do, yeah. do you kind of embody yeah, I mean... them at the, at the table? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not getting up and performing my scenes, like <laughs> walking around the house talking to yourself. Well, no, not in in a way that you might imagine. But um, I think for me, um, the key to good dialogue is being able to uh, hear it and speak it. And if it doesn't, mm. if it's not something that you feel you might say um, as that character it shouldn't be there and the only way you're going to know if if that character would say it is if you are correctly uh, and effectively inhabiting them so there is a bit of a performance element to it and i definitely find myself workshopping uh, certain uh, maybe emotional reactions you know kind of um <laughs> again not not sitting there performing them but definitely like you know if i have to describe um uh let's take the safe place. If I have to describe a panic attack, I'll kind of, um, you know, what happens to your body when you breathe fast? Let's see how that feels. Um, you know, how, how might I describe that? What, what's going on up in the throat? Does, is it coming from the throat or is it coming from the lungs? Where does that feeling originate? Where does it finish? What's your skin feeling like? You know, it's not like I'm, I'm not putting myself into a panic attack, but that there are certain physical elements of it that are really worth exploring if you're going to kind of, precisely and accurately express what that feels like as opposed to yeah. just lay down a whole load of tropes and and um and cliches oh i love that um <laughs> something wildly different i'm gonna ask about um because i'm Great. bad at segues is lovely um uh you you've you put the safe place out uh in the time of corona you've got a, a second novel coming out during the corona <laughs> after party um the you, you know like establishing yourself as an author at this time is, is, is really hard yeah um i've been following you and you've um you've really um pushed it by being a kind of aggressive joiner in um yeah. in, in comparison to <laughs> like maybe it's your extroversion but like so a, a lot of a lot of authors, you know, I, I, I just uh, would be at a loss to, to try and establish themselves at this time. Um, but um, I, I see you up there and, and you're endorsing other writers and, and they're endorsing you. I'm looking at the, um, the early copy of the Shadow House now and you've got Candace Bloody Fox on the front ah, of the book saying vivid, tense, troubling, um, which she's absolutely correct about. Um, what I wanted to ask is like what's what's interesting to you about the the scene, particularly for, for thriller writers or, or crime writers in Australia? Oh, that's a, such a good question. Yeah, I mean, all right, so it has been a really 
weird uh, time to establish oneself. And I think you're absolutely bang on. Like, yes, a, a, aggressive joiner in that is me. Um, but I think um, that comes from two different places. It, it obviously comes from the fact, that, I mean, I, you know, I am, I am an extrovert. I'm, I, I am just a kind of general aggressive joiner in in life. But I, um, I have had a creative career before that was, um, you know, in part dependent on good networking. So I have a bit of a knowledge uh, as, as to what that entails. But I also don't think that you can network well without having a genuine passion and an interest in other people's work and, and in other people's lives. And so um, the fact that I'm a voracious reader and, and an a embarrassing fangirl and I am genuinely curious as to how other people's creative process works and you know I want to support um, other people's books and that kind of helps that there's, there's a you know it's, it's not a, um, a forced artificial um, oh so, so what are you writing about might you be able to you know you scratch my back if I scratch yours kind of thing it's not it's not that it's what are you doing and why and that's so interesting and amazing and oh look at that we have all these connections and things in common oh my goodness we're friends yay you know like and then you read their books and they're wonderful and you want to talk about them and you, you want to put them out there um so yes it has been a weird time but it's also been an amazing time and i do think that the scene that you know the, the community is really strong it's full of wonderful people who are ridiculously supportive i would say writers on the whole i, I haven't i haven't met an asshole yet um which is nice and um uh the crime community particularly i mean i i don't know that i would necessarily call what i write straight up crime but they've been really welcoming and beautiful and um um they're just such a, a tight-knit community anyway but you know chuck in a pandemic and everybody has really um kind of come together especially to champion new writers and and hold those people up who are struggling i've really found that and, and i would love to be somebody that pays that forward to be honest like i've been i was so overwhelmed at how kind everybody was to me last year so yeah, I've been really trying to to pay that forward and do it for the people. I love that. Um, speaking of like fangirling, whose um, whose novels have you been enjoying? What's 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 really good at the moment, other than Anna Downs? Ah, oh, so many people, so many books at the moment. I might have to get my. Um, I I post everything I read. I post about on. Um, Instagram or most of the things that I read. So what have I read lately? I um, literally just finished Catherine Heine's book, um, Early Morning Riser, and I, I love her. She's incredible. Um, I've, I've just read A Slow Fire Burning. Did you read that? The new Paula Hawkins? No, is that good? Yeah, I really liked it. I mean, it, I was quite surprised good. to find that the, the reviews have been mixed here and there there's been a kind of an interesting reaction to certain parts of the book i thought it was brilliant i loved it i thought it um the the kind of uh the pacing of it was really beautifully done um i think she's an exceptional writer um 
I'm about to dig into the new Leon. Very excited about Apple's number Ooh, four. Very good. Um, let's see what's coming up. Uh, so you're going to want to look out for Sarah Foster's The Hush. That's going to be really yes. interesting. That's going to spark a lot of thing. interesting conversations. Um, Sarah is an incredible writer and this one's a real departure for her. So that's going to be, um, it's going to be great for her. Um, uh, Margaret Hickey's Cutter's End I read just recently as well. And that's, that's another really oh, yeah. interesting crime novel. Yeah. So kind of following the red dirt outback noir, um, tradition, but it, it has a kind of a, uh, an edge that some of the others don't have. So that's, um, that's really intriguing. Uh, and I just read an amazing book called Seven Days in June by Tia Williams, which is a Reese's, um, you know, book club pick. But I just mm. haven't read a book that delightful for a really long time. You know, I'm, I read a lot of dark stuff. I love dark stuff. And oh, and have you read um, The Last House on Needless Street, Catriona Ward? Oh, my God. No. So that blew me away, actually. That, that's probably my number one recommendation of, uh, of the year. Um, I loved that book so much. But that is, it is very, very dark. And I read a lot of dark stuff. But um, Seven Days in June was probably just the, it was just sheer delight. And, and um, it's about two authors, um, two black authors in New York City who were involved, you know, many, many, many years ago and have since kind of been writing to one another uh, through their books, not actually writing to one another, but like, you know, they, they've kind of written about each other for many years. And so the book is about when they, they their kind of um, accidental reunion. And uh, it's just amazing. Oh, brilliant, gorgeous. brilliant book. Yeah, very funny. Good stack. Yes, um, so many it, good it books makes to me read. Think, you, you said earlier that, you wouldn't describe yourself purely as a crime writer, mm -mm. right? Um, and I was I was describing uh, the Shadow House, which I was just finishing um, to colleagues last night. Uh, you know, a little Zoom catch up, and mm -hmm. uh, I sort of said, you know, it's about uh, this mother who's. Uh, escaping domestic violence, and she comes to this closed-off eco-commune, and um, it seems really gorgeous, um, but she doesn't know anything about the people around her, and immediately she starts getting really creepy messages, and parcels arrive on the doorstep, and they have dead animals in them, of all things. Very creepy, and there's you know, there's all these whispers in town of of of, of some, something really dark that comes for people's children, and people said, "Oh, so it's a it's a horror novel. You're reading a horror novel, Ben." And I said, "You know, I, I kind of am, but I'm also what I'm really reading is a psychological thriller, <laughs> right?" Um, how do you? It's. I just wanted to ask about the whole genre thing. Do you? You obviously are a bit loose on genre. You don't. You you don't. You're not married to it, um, and you're, there's a bit of freedom there, right? I'd like to think so. Yeah, I mean, genre is a really, really fascinating um, subject, and I could talk for a long time about it because um, it's really helpful as a reader and a writer 
to know the framework within which you're you're writing or reading right um and each genre sort of has its own let's say rules you know um which again are incredibly helpful and story works a certain way for a certain reason right uh, uh, you know that the, there's a reason why we have a protagonist and antagonist conflict resolution you know those things are um they're set in stone and and they are there to help you having said that with with um genre at the moment and in this kind of uh, market um i often I often do think there's a lot to play with and, and it's okay mm. if what you want to write doesn't fit a, a mold particularly. Um, I think it's okay to surprise readers. You, you are going to get a bit of backlash from, from the purists who say, well, you know, why wasn't there a car chase in this action novel? And you're like, well, um, that's because it's not strictly an action novel. You know, um, that's an example. I'm not writing action novels, but you know, I, I think, um, I write what I would want to read and what I want to read is um, a little bit of everything. You know, um, I think that I'm largely concerned with themes around parenting and family and, uh, you know, the ways in which people love and the ways in which people's hearts are broken, the way, the way people heal and mend after trauma. Um, but I, I am obsessed with horror. I love dark stuff. I love, um, to be kind of misled and misguided. I love misdirection. Um, but I also want, I, what I want from a, a good book is, is I, I don't care what, what genre it is. I don't care what, um, framework you're using, but if you can simultaneously show me a bit of my own heart, but also show me a perspective I've never seen before, or you know, show me uh, something completely different that I've never considered before. That 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 does it for me. If you can also make yeah. me laugh here and there, lovely. And if you can scare well, me, well, you made as me. Well, you made me. You made me laugh in amongst oh, the, the good. terror. <laughs> good. <laughs> she's, good. It's just like this character, Alex. She's actually very funny. Good. <laughs> in, in spite of all her troubles. Well, I, I really enjoyed that, and and um, her her the the tension she has with the fourteen year old son. You know, they're they're a team, right? They've been through yeah. everything together. She is a yeah. single mom, uh, and she has this fourteen year old son, Ollie, and he is very online and he is doing stuff online, and that is problematic, right? Yeah. Uh, and I just I just found that. I think a lot of people are going to find that really interesting to read about. Mm. Were you researching uh, creepy fourteen-year-old uh, boys going <laughs> on the dark web, or like? <laughs> yeah, so uh, a, a lot of that aspect and and many other aspects in the story come from uh, a desire to explore the fact that it's it's a very scary time to be a parent right now. Um, mm. for lots and lots of different reasons. Um, God, you know, climate change, pandemic. Um, but, you know, if you are a millennial parent, I think I, someone described me recently as a geriatric millennial, which is um, not that attractive a term. I know, but uh, 
Um, but you know, if, if you are a parent who has grown up without the internet and yet you are trying to raise children in an era that is defined by it, um, you're dealing with an awful lot of, um, unfamiliarity and, and real fear of the unknown as well. So trying to guide a, uh, a beloved child through a world that you don't fully understand is something that I'm kind of trying to work out in this book um, and, and fear and how, how people act on, on that fear, sometimes with the best interest, sometimes not. Um, you know, there's a lot of very frightened parents in the book. Um, yeah, well said. You, yeah. Both of your novels, they, they, they really beautifully um, work with the internalised neuroses of women. Um, yeah, based you. on all of the expectations the world puts on them, and that motherhood is is central to that. How old are your kids now? Uh, uh, five and seven. Yeah. So you, kind of you, been, um, been writing imagine since the Daisy day... was uh, been writing since Daisy was about eight months old. So yeah, I've been going processing oh, all of that she's stuff. She's a she's a literary baby then. She's a literary <laughs> baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, do, do you imagine the day soon when they'll be old enough to watch mum on teleprograms from back in the day and, and read mum's books? Won't that be weird? <clears throat> Maybe. Um, so, Jack, when you guys sent me my, um, my books to sign, Jack was thank with you me. For and, doing that, oh, by no, the way. thank you. That was lovely. It was just, it was amazing. Um, but yeah, so he helped me kind of unpack them and put them in the piles. And he was kind of fascinated, you know, kept leafing through them and looking at my picture and going, Mommy, did you write all these books? And I was like, well, I mean, yeah, they're the same book. Like I didn't write all of them individually. <laughs> but then interestingly, I mean, you know, homeschooling has been a bit of a battle and particularly with, with writing, he's found that really hard. But the next day he said, Mommy, I want to write a book. And so you know, we, he's, he's, we're putting this little book together. It's like a comic book and it's called the mysterious lands written and read by, you know, like, and he's put his little name at the bottom. And honestly, oh. honestly, I've just, I had that week I was like, right, well, clearly my work is done. I can <laughs> kind of give myself a little pat on the back there. Like it's gorgeous. And he has such a, a massive love of reading. Um, I mean, Daisy's, still really young but you know she's got a love of story as well so i i hope that that is how that's how that rubs off on them uh so the shadow house will be in stores now um and obviously online at booktopia when uh, i assume this is your vocation now you've been bitten by the writing bug will yep. you have another novel next year or beyond yeah, um, I'm, I'm working on the on book three. Um, I am in it for the long haul. Um, I definitely Love want that. to amass a body of work. Um, how frequently I get those out, I, I don't know. I mean, um, this book, The Shadow House, was was quite stressful to write, I've got to be honest, because of the... Ooh, the, the stressful <laughs> to read. Well, no, but not just because of its subject matter, but because of the, um, I think, you know, second novel syndrome is, is a bit of a, um, a catchphrase, yeah. it's a bit of a thing. And I think one of the reasons it's a thing is that for debut writers, you know, your debut novel feels like a bit of a lottery win, and then your second novel 
is quite a culture shock because now you know your writing is not just on your terms and there are expectations and there are consequences attached to to kind of what you what you do and um and, and the deadlines, if you've never worked with a deadline before, that's, that's quite frightening. <laughs> uh, and so um, I think I'm still yet to work out the most efficient way of writing and the, you know, the, the least um, kind of complicated way of, of putting my stories together. So um, I would probably for the next one quite like a little bit more breathing space um, in terms of time. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I've already got a, a good idea. I'm kind of forging ahead with that. Um, and I think, yeah, once you get on a roll, you just, you, you go with it. And that's, it's kind of um, unpredictable how fast I'll, I'll be able to, to write well, those. But whatever yeah, you're I'm, doing, I'm, I'm here keep for it. doing it. Thank you. Because <laughs> the Shadow House has raised the stakes. Uh, has really stepped up your writing to a new level. I think people are going to love it. Oh, thank you, Anna Downs, for spending some time chatting on the Bookfabry podcast. Ben, thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a lovely chat. Thank you. Shadow House is published by a firm press. You can buy it right now from booktopia.com.au. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia. Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au